Hello. Now, this episode is going to be a little different. I actually want to share a few stories with you. These are the types of conversations that I have with homeowners regularly, almost every day. And these stories are about real people. I've changed their names, but they are real people and real conversations that I've had recently. And they're typical of the conversations that I've had loads and loads over the 20 plus years that I've been doing this. Now, perhaps in sharing these stories with you, you'll identify with one or even all of them. And perhaps in identifying with them, you'll feel less alone, less overwhelmed, and it will normalize what you're feeling uh, and what you're experiencing in your renovation or in your new build project. You know, that feeling that you might be having where you question, should you really be feeling this way? Or should you really be doing this? You know, should I really be thinking this? You know, that feeling, it's so common. And so perhaps hearing these stories of others will help you. And that's my goal. Okay. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building, or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, in this episode, as well as sharing these stories that I mentioned, I'm actually going to be talking about some other things that are almost unspoken. And it's only been in digging, in asking questions and in listening loads that I've seen that these are not one-offs, but they happen really regularly for many, many homeowners. And these things are related to the hesitancy that I see homeowners have around publicly discussing money and the details of their renovation or building project with others and particularly discussing it with those who could help them stay sane or feel far more confident and empowered in their project. So let's go through some of these things that I see. Now, there can be a lot of nerves around talking about the particular nuances of how we live in our homes when we're behind closed doors and everything's private and no one sees us. Look, the working relationship between an architect or a designer and or even a builder and uh, their client, it's it's a really intimate one. And I've certainly found it to be this way. You know, I often joke that I know where my clients keep their underwear. Look, this can even extend to non-clients as well, members of the UA community, even total strangers. I find that when I tell people what I do, that they'll just open up. They'll start sharing information with me about their personal situation, their lifestyle and their home. And it gets pretty intimate given that you know, we don't really know each other that well. And as an example, you know, a new friend that I met recently, uh, she was talking to me about her house and I haven't seen it. We just, we actually just recently met and we hit it off. And she said to me, she sort of leaned over almost, you know, like a, like a, um, what's that word? Really like almost secretly, secretly, like she was about to tell me about this great conspiracy. And uh, she said to me, let me just tell you what our house looks like at night. 
And I was like, okay. And she said, uh, and then she she just actually proceeded to lay it all out. She's She's got a one-year-old bub and then another young child. And she works full-time running her own business. She's the breadwinner in the family. And her hubby is a stay-at-home dad. So he looks after the bub and the younger child. And so what happens is that he actually sleeps in with the baby. Um, so the baby's in their bedroom. And so that he can attend to the baby if it wakes now, she sleeps on a mattress on the floor of her study uh, so that she's right at the other end of the house and away from any noise during the night. And her other child is in her own room. So her other child has its own room. And uh, that child knows that it needs to go to daddy in the middle of the night if it wakes up. Now, she expected me to look shocked. And my reply <laughs> to her was, I said, you know, you would be surprised how many people that I speak to or work with, they don't share the same bed as a couple, either temporarily or permanently in their home, uh, or they don't sleep in the same bedroom at all. They sleep in different parts of the house. And in fact, I recall discussing this in my podcast in season two, when I was talking about the master bedroom and how to design it. And uh, a woman actually got in touch with me to thank me for normalizing the fact that couples can and do sleep in separate bedrooms and still have very happy relationships and happy marriages. And I've actually got a friend that for the last year, you know, she slept on a mattress uh, beside her and her hubby's bed, because anytime he moves, she wakes and stays awake for hours and she's been you know getting over a long-term illness and so sleep's been really really important and they live in a small flat and so that's what they're doing now my friend when I said this to her when I said you'd be surprised how normal that is she visibly relaxed and she laughed at me and she said you know we're obviously not as weird as I thought no no you're perfectly normal you know, I have been so fortunate to work closely with clients over many, many years in practice, helping them bring their home dreams to life and and also working with loads of members inside uh, my online programs uh, in Undercover Architect. And for me to do my job well and for me to share information with you like this, that means that I often know a lot of detail about how people live in their life, you know, what their likes and their dislikes are, the things that they store in their home, you know, how they like to store them, how they like to spend their time, even how they're financing their project and, you know, what will put them under strain significantly, where that money's coming from. Is it being borrowed? Is it being saved? Has it been inherited? You know, why do they have it and what are their plans with it? And, you know, that will then often relate to their working life and their professionals, you know, what profession they're in and their long-term plans for that. You know, they'll also talk about their childhood memories and their upbringing and, you know, the nature of their extended family and friends, you know, that, that also comes up, you know, how those people may share the home, whether they'll be staying temporarily or permanently in the home, you know, and how welcome or unwelcome that is for them as a family. You know, they'll talk about their daily rhythms, their own quirks and nuances and all of these things and conversations and behaviours that usually stay behind closed doors in the privacy of their own homes. And look, for me to create them, a home that works for them and to help them create a, work, a home that works for them, I have to know all of this. And homeowners have to trust me in order to divulge it. This is the stuff that we don't talk about in public, not to the level of detail that I know it and, uh, and definitely not all of it. Our homes are super personal and the choices that we make in creating them, they're also super personal. And our fear of not fitting the norm means that we can often isolate ourselves from the support and help that we need in our projects and it can prevent us from actually finding out that normal 
you know, normal in inverted commas, it covers a huge range of living situations and personal preferences. And what I see happen regularly is that when homeowners connect with other like-minded homeowners who are going through the same experience of renovating or building, and they get to share their concerns and their questions and their hopes and their fears, it actually benefits everyone. And it takes a huge amount of stress away for people. And I see it happen in the Facebook groups, particularly that I run for my courses. It's seriously awesome. Now, there's another thing that I see happen regularly for homeowners, and this is a matter of taste. So when it comes to the style of our homes, you know, to what we choose to include in them and the aesthetic design that we prefer, you know, colors, finishes, fixtures, furniture, all of those types of things, you know, this is really personal choice. And, you know, the thing with aesthetics, the thing with taste, the thing with choosing all of those elements and fixtures and finishes and furniture, it's so subjective. It seriously is so subjective. Now, your definition of timeless, elegant design may be entirely different to your neighbours and your version of fun or contemporary or traditional, that may also be hugely different as well. I've even had people pick a style name for what they, they're doing, say it be vintage or Hamptons or French Provincial or Tuscan. And, and the way that they see that style, we're very different to another person who uses the same word to describe the style that they're seeking. You know, we have all of this. We have all of this aesthetic desire to uh, express ourselves in our home. And yet at the same time, we're all also all able to freely express uh, an opinion or judge someone else's, you know, sense of taste and style, aren't we? You know, we can say whether we like something or we don't, you know, whether we think it to be beautiful or we think it to be ugly. And when you're building something as permanent as your own new home or renovation, that means that your style choices and taste are pretty much on display for anyone and all to see for a really long time to come. And none of us, none of us like to be judged as to whether others think that we have good taste or not, do we? So, you know, combined with all of this, though, is our homes really are the place where we should feel that we're able to be most us, you know, the truest sense of ourselves. And that means that we, you know, that we're in in an environment where we feel safe to express ourselves in them and that we have uh, an environment that has a self-expression that really makes us feel more truly us the more time that we spend in it. You know, I've had many homeowners tell me that they actually secretly want, you know, to do something quite different and exciting and unique for them that really feels like them, that really feels like a, a, a means of self-expression and, and that it doesn't feel like everybody else's house. And yet they'll often lose courage in the process and they'll just go with something that, you know, ultimately they actually feel is, is safer, I suppose, and more bland so that they don't stand out and they don't subject themselves to critical judgment by others. Now, Look, don't get me wrong, when it's an investment as big and as permanent as a new home or a renovation, you know, this can sometimes be a wise choice. Making that safer decision can be a wise choice because, you know, our tastes do change over time. And I'm the first to tell you that if you're doing something that is directional, that is of a particular style or a particular aesthetic, that to make sure that you do it in a certain way that if your tastes do change down the track, it can be easily changed. But, you know, I've what I've found is that particularly in my Facebook groups as part of my online programs, you know, I've had homeowners seek guidance from me about these choices in their home and I can help them find ways to make braver choices that, 
you know, don't compromise the long-term value of their home. You know, my experience of working across hundreds and hundreds of projects in the 20 plus years I've been doing this really has taught me ways that we can do this in our homes in a way that's not expensive or difficult to replace down the track um, or that will date the home to a particular style or time with their life, uh, you know, a particular time in their lives. And, you know, to be frank, Having, as I said, having worked with clients for over two decades now, I have seen a lot of styles come and go, as you may suspect. And, uh, and I've seen over the long term, you know, what fundamentally works for families of all ages. So that knowledge for me really informs how I personally support members in my program to create homes that are actually going to be uniquely theirs um, without making something that will never sell down the track, uh, if and when they do actually want to sell it. And to help them have the courage to make personal and unique choices in a way that's not going to alienate others about their home. Now, there's also another elephant in the room when it comes to our homes, uh, into building new ones or renovating our existing, and it's the identity and status that we attach to our homes and particularly to the finances associated with them. Now, where we live, that can say something about how much money we've we've chosen or are able to invest in our home, uh, and then this can say something about our job, and then that can say something about our upbringing, and a whole other set of info that's associated with status and identity and our socioeconomic position. Now, look, I, I say can say something because I've been doing this long enough now to know that someone's home and where they live and how much they're spending on it does not mean that you can put them in a box about who they are and what they've managed to achieve in their life. Yet it's in the conversations that I see strangers having that I see happen everywhere. You know, have you experienced this personally? I've I've found that it often happens when somebody um, I meet somebody and they didn't realise that I grew up in Sydney, and so they'll find that out, and then they'll say to me, "Where did you grow up?" And I'll tell them where in Sydney it was. And then all of a sudden you can actually see if they're that kind of person, they'll have um, me socially pegged as to, you know, what that might mean as, as to what my upbringing was like, how successful my parents were, you know, what school I might have gone to, how successful I might be, how easy or hard a life I might have had, you know, and you may find that this happens to you as well. It's something that we we do see a lot, that we're very quick to judge um, a book by its cover and really put people in a box about who they might be and what they might have achieved. Now, wherever we live, I know that some of us do see our homes as a reflection of what we've been able to accomplish, both in the work to renovate or build them and in the work that it took to pay for it. So, what does all of this mean? You know, why am I mentioning any of this? Because it's, these are all, as I said, these are all unspoken things and they may, you may be sitting there going, oh no, I haven't thought of any of this, but I guarantee that they're, that they'll either be part of you or perhaps you know somebody else who's renovating or building their home that is feeling one of these three things or even potentially all of them, you know, our desire for privacy about our personal lifestyle and our living choices, our concern about the opinions that others will have about our style choices and the choices that we make because of our taste and our reservation to divulge our location of where we live or the extent of work that we're doing on our home or how much we're spending on it or how much the house cost us in the first place or the land cost us in the first place in case uh, someone pegs us at a certain socioeconomic level. Now, I mention these things, these unspoken things, for two 
main reasons, okay? Because what I see is these things, these unspoken things that actually do have an impact on how people go about their renovation or new build, uh, the type of information that they share with the people who really need to know it. And as a result, they just don't access the support or the success that is available to them. So the first reason, okay, that I mentioned this is all of these things that I mentioned, this, you know, fear about about uh, sharing the, the personal choices that you make about how you live in your lifestyle behind closed doors, that that the, your style and your taste choices and and where you live and the money that you're spending on your home, you know, all of these things, they breed shoulds, all right? So what do I mean? My home should look like this. I should make this choice because that's just what people do. I should spend this money because that's the type of home we should have. I know personally that anytime I hear should in a sentence, that's a red flag that some judgment is happening somewhere, that it's building an expectation that's potentially not serving or suiting your needs um, or you, okay? And that you're potentially about to spend more money than you really need to, that's good for you. Uh, and that it, and it's a really good one to put on your radar. Anytime you're hearing that in a sentence about your renovation or building project, oh, you know, we should do this. Really think, is that, is it, do you just need to rephrase the sentence? You know, we, this will really work for us. Or is it because you feel like you're being informed or influenced by external pressures? Now, reason number two is that, you know, these three things that I mentioned, they can mean that you actually keep so much uh, about your project to yourself at a time when you really do need support from like-minded or experienced people around you, you know, those who are or have been on a similar journey, who have a unique understanding and an empathy for what you're experiencing, and they can help you feel so much better, so much better informed, and so much more normal as a result. So let me share another story of a real woman that I know. Now, Lisa's hubby is a builder and he's a very busy one. And, you know, he's been out doing, does a lot of renovation and building work on other people's homes. And they personally have been planning a renovation on their own home for about two years now. Uh, they've even had all of the drawings done and they've had it approved through council. And um, the project involves building in underneath their existing home. They've got an elevated home. They want to put downstairs another bedroom and a bathroom and a living room. So they want to have that second living room in their house that the kids can escape to and they want to have this bedroom and bathroom so that guests can come and stay. And they're not far from hitting the go button, but Lisa's actually having some doubts. Now, she's actually starting to wonder if they really need all the extra space. Her kids are 13 and 8. They seem to be managing with the house that they've got. She actually likes um, that the kids are close by. She's, you know, they've got a great circle of friends. She can keep an eye on everything. And, you know, she likes the way that the house operates now. The kids have got good-sized bedrooms. The living room in the house is great. And they recently actually added on a really lovely outdoor deck um, that's covered. And they've got some big glass uh, doors that open out from the living space onto that deck. And that, she knows, has been life-changing. That's been really amazing. Uh, but to her, she looks then at this next stage of the project, at all this extra house that they'd be creating with this renovation and she thinks of the extra cleaning she's going to be doing the extra maintenance the fact that her kids would probably just disappear downstairs all of the time to that other living space and she wouldn't see them in the house as much and you know she'd have to be going downstairs and checking on them all the time and you know all of the money that they're going to be spending to make it happen pretty much all of their money and she's starting to feel like turning their house into a bigger one 
you know, because it's the dumb thing, um, that it's what they should do. And she said, you know, their house could definitely do with some smaller upgrades. It's not perfect. Um, they could definitely do some smaller upgrades to improve it, um, but that would be a far smaller investment. And they'd pursued this path of this bigger reno uh, because they thought that was just the type of home that they should have now that the kids were getting older. You know, family homes generally have four beds, two baths, two living, two cars, you know, butler pantry in the kitchen, ensuite master, all of those types of things. You know, it's good for resale. It's what's expected. It's pretty much the norm. And it's what most of her friends have done. And when she told me about this, I could actually hear the stress in her voice. It was almost like she was a little nervous to admit that she felt this way, that she was doubting whether they really needed to do this project in the way that they were planning on doing it. And the interesting thing, you know, is they've actually got the money arranged to go. They've been saving for after years and years of hard work. That She knows that the money is there. Um, but just because you have it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to spend it. <laughs> and so what we did was we actually then sat down and spoke about what she really wanted. You know, she loves that the kids have friends who live nearby and the kids, you know, they sort of float between each other's houses, all the parents know each other, everybody always knows where the other, where everybody's kid is and she, she always knows what her kids are up to and they're never far from sight. She would actually like for their rooms to be better organised, um, for them to have better storage, but she feels like they're generally big enough and the house actually works well. You know, when I asked her questions about... Um, how it really feels, what she realised in the way that, you know, I was asking her questions about it was that it wasn't that it felt too small, it was that it just felt cluttered and disorganised and there is a difference, okay? And, you know, she sees her extended family. She said that she had a brother who was, you know, sharing on Facebook that he's travelling overseas with his family at the moment and, you know, she sees her friends travelling overseas as well and just going on really lovely holidays together as a family and, you know, she wishes that they could do it too uh, but, all of their money has been dedicated to preparing for this renovation instead. And, you know, when we sat down and went through it all and looked at what was really going to work for her and her family, you know, she realised that it was it was about how doing less in this house could actually mean that they could afford other things. They could have more regular holidays. They could have more adventures together. They could be spending time together as a family, you know, really building that connection and that, that relationship together as a family whilst their kids are this age and, you know, not be having to stress so much about having to work to pay for it all. And, you know, that for her, she was realising that a bigger home would generally mean bigger running costs and maintenance and having to fill it with more furniture as well. So, you know, we spoke about some of the other strategies that she could employ instead of all of this big, you know, this big extension, you know, what smaller investments they could make um, that I know personally and professionally from years of, of experience with other clients, you know, they'll they, these smaller changes would still significantly change, you know, their lifestyle as a family in this home and their feeling of calm and peace and having an organized and convenient way of living. And none of them, none of the things that we discussed involve making the home bigger, but all would make it far more functional and everyone feel much better in the home overall. Now, she was so relieved after this conversation. It was actually like she felt she needed permission to not create the big house that she thought that she should or that she thought that her kids should have, or that this should be the way that they extend their home. Now, 
don't get me wrong, I'm not criticising anybody who decides that they want to renovate and add extra space to their home or the choices that they make. This is the thing. You, your home, your choices, the way you spend your money on it, it is so personal. I, I just want you to be aware of when that word should comes up. When you feel external pressure on you, influenced by expectation or um, benchmarking against other people about what you think you should or shouldn't be doing, uh, that is impacting the choices that you're making for your home, all right? And if they're negatively impacting you, then it's time to reassess and really determine what is going to suit you and your home, your needs and your budget so that you create a home that really works for you and your family. Now, you know, she really, she really found that sitting down with me and, you know, I see this time and time again, I have conversations like this with homeowners, we're bringing them back to what are they really seeking to achieve, you know, and and being able to give them clarity about that and then keep them on track uh, with what they want to achieve. That that just really simplifies the whole process. And, you know, she said to me, she said to me, oh, no, but we've already come so far, you know, we've spent money on these approvals and these drawings, you know, what are, what's my husband going to say? And I said to her, look, you know, spending a little bit of money on all of that, that's not a reason to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars more on something that you don't necessarily want or need for you. And you can always sell those plans when you look at putting the house on the market way down the track because they'll show another, you know, the future owner what's actually possible for the home. Now, you know, as I said, this is the thing. Your home is yours. It's for you and your family. And yes, it's your, you know, it's generally your most significant financial investment. So any money that you do spend on it, it requires thought and consideration so that you can improve your asset and you just don't throw money down the drain. But creating a home that suits you and your family that, you know, that will feel great is not the home that's in magazines. It's not what the neighbours are creating. It's not not even what your well-meaning friends might tell you that you should create. It's really what you want to do, what you need to do and what will suit you for what you're seeking to achieve overall for your home and for your life. Now, lastly, I'm going to share one last story with you of one of the members of my How to Get It Right program. I was actually sitting in the doc- in a nearby doctor's surgery, a local doctor's surgery. It was a, one morning of the school holidays and I was flanked, um, you know, surrounded by my three kids and I was doing, you know, the stuff that you do when you're in a doctor's surgery, trying to keep them patient and reasonably well behaved. And a woman walked up to me and, uh, and she said, hi. And uh, I looked up. And she introduced herself to me um, because I didn't recognize her. She said, you know, I'll just call her Karen. She said, hi, I'm Karen. And she said to me, I, uh, I just did your how to get it right course recently. And, uh, and she, then she told me where she lived. And immediately I could place her. But, of course, I'd never seen her face before. Um, you know, I'd seen her through... Um, I'd seen her home. I'd I'd seen aerial photographs of it, the floor plans, you know, the photographs that that she'd provided, and and looked at it on um, the local council and and Google mapping. So I knew her home really well, but I'd never actually seen her face. And you see, you know. Each member of my online program, How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home, they complete an onboarding survey where they tell me the address of their home, their budget, their aims for their finished home. So I do this because it enables me to provide really relevant and tailored advice for them when they ask questions in the Facebook group or they're sharing particular challenges that they might be having. And um, I find too that often 
uh, members' Facebook profiles won't have their the photo of them on uh, their profile, so I don't necessarily see what they look like, and I never click through to their profile anyway. And you know, but I remember their house. I always remember their house. I think that's an occupational hazard. So you know, Karen was lovely. She, you know, stood there and she told me how much she'd loved the course and how helpful she'd found it. And, you know, they'd been working with an architect before joining the course. Um, They were relocating a Queenslander and renovating it. And she was just not able to get the floor plan right. She was getting, you know, there were different strategies being explored and she was really wanting to honour the character of the house and just not, um, wasn't able to sort of get the design right. And so after getting, you know, my personal advice in the course uh, and, you know, feedback on on the design, she was able to brief her architect better and to really get, you know, them then to make the changes that, you know, she and I discussed and she was far happier with it and they were now moving forward and she was, you know, really looking forward to the project getting started on site. And she told me that before she joined, she'd really hesitated about it because she didn't um, she didn't think she wanted to be in a Facebook group. She didn't, you know, she didn't think it was going to be you know, she said, I'm private. I didn't want to be discussing my house um, and the choices I was making with people I didn't know. And I didn't want people seeing that information. And I actually said to her, that was a common hesitation that I hear from people all the time, you know, for the reasons that I mentioned first up in this episode. You know, we're really private about our homes and the money that we're spending on them. And ultimately, we don't want to be judged and we don't necessarily want to share information that is really personal to us. And so I asked her, how does she feel now that she was on the other side of it? You know, that she'd been through that experience of being in the Facebook group, being active in there, asking questions, getting advice on her project and her journey. And she actually said that she loved it. She said that it was great to be in a group of people who were all sharing a similar experience uh, to her and having similar feelings about it. You know, it normalized the process for her, those feelings of concern. And I suppose that pressure that we put on ourselves to get it right. And she saw others asking questions as well that she hadn't even thought of yet. And so she felt she really jumped her learning ahead too. And she loved seeing what others were planning for their homes because it gave her ideas for her own. Now, I totally get it. No one wants to be judged and uh, no one wants to have people tell them that their ideas are silly or to have opinions about who they are based on where they live and some, you know, and some things about our home are private. They're just really private. Look, I'm really clear in my expectations for the Facebook group and for any group that I run in any of my online courses. You know, we're all in this together and we may not always agree with each other or we may not always understand the choices that others Um, are making as they're building or renovating. However, ultimately, everyone has the right to make their own choice about their own home. And I fiercely defend that uh, for my members. You know, I explain that up front that everyone is to ask with curiosity if they don't understand the choice that someone is making, because it may be a learning opportunity for them. And I monitor activity in the group really closely. And I'm there personally uh, for the six weeks of the course um, that How to Get It Right runs in particular. And uh, answer questions and provide feedback and I make recommendations. And I, you know, I think one of the key things that I really see that I can help with is that I give members clarity. I really, you know, to help sift and filter through all of that noise of should um, that may be happening externally to them or internally, uh, you know, in their own thoughts so that it really keeps them on track with what they actually want to achieve for their homes and for their lifestyles. You know, we have an awesome time and it's always so exciting to see the group grow in learning and knowledge and confidence. That really gives me a buzz. And to be frank, you know, our friends who aren't renovating or building, they usually don't want to hear us 
bang on about our own projects at infinitum, do they? You know, instead, this is an environment that welcomes it. People here in my groups, they want you to talk about your renovation or building project, you know, and that that really, you know, is an environment that seeks to empower you through sharing your journey. It's a safe space to have conversations that you may not wish to have with your family or friends. You know, things like the fact that your mother-in-law needs to stay in a room um, because she comes to stay, but you don't want it too comfy because you don't want to stay in too long. You know, don't laugh. That is a question that I have received. Um, and there's no judgment, no judgment whatsoever. So, and I always keep budgets and property addresses between me and the individual member. That never gets shared in the group. So guess what? I've got some awesome news for you. If you're listening to this live on its published date, February the 13th, How to Get It Right, my six-week program, How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home, is open. The doors are open to join um, as of today, but not for long, okay? So if you're listening to this episode on the day of the release, 13th of February 2018, you have until the 19th of February 2018 to join the program to join this round of the program, okay? So you need to head to www.undercoverarchitect, how to get it right, or one word, how to get it right, for more info about what's in the course. And you can see testimonials there. You can see what the modules include, you know, the, the information that you receive and how to join. Now, please, whether you join the course or not, you know, I'm really, Undercover Architect has always been about education first. I'm always passionate that whether you and I meet, whether you do one of my courses, however you work with Undercover Architect and however you use what Undercover Architect provides, please make sure you do find your tribe, okay? Your group of people who you can rely on, you can vent to, and you can get support from as you navigate your project. Tap into a community of other people who are learning along their journey so that you can draw on that collective learning and avoid a lot of mistakes, plus supercharge your learning as well, okay? Now, make sure that there's some professional industry input. The worst thing is when I see groups uh, online, forums, Facebook groups, all those types of things where there's no professional um, presence, no industry presence, and you've got amateurs advising amateurs, and you can really get yourself into far more trouble trouble in the long run, okay? It is so natural that this feels like a big undertaking, your renovation or your building project. It's probably one of the biggest financial investments that you'll ever make, apart from buying the house or the land in the first place, and you're making decisions that you will have to be living with for a really long time in the permanent, you know, floors, walls and roofs, roof that you that you're in, you know, that you have in your home. So, you know, find your tribe that you can feel open and vulnerable with and feel that you'll, you know, not be judged uh, or put in a box so that you can really get the support and the confidence that you personally need to make your project successful. All right. Wow. Now, with this episode, we are at the end of this season, believe it or not. Okay. So this season was all about the mistakes that many make. So if you haven't uh, heard all of the five episodes in this season that kicked off 2018, make sure that you go back and you listen through because these are key mistakes uh, that I see so many homeowners make on the road of a disastrous project. And all of the episodes give you pointers and action tips and things that you can implement now uh, to really change the course of your project so that it can be enjoyable, far simpler and actually be successful and achieve the home that you're dreaming of. Now, I want to share with you briefly the next episode. We are kicking off a new season in our next episode, and I'm going to be dealing with a topic that I get loads of questions about, and it's how to design for the tricky sites and those non-standard 
blocks of land that we might be buying for a new home or that we might be renovating on. Not everyone is building or renovating on a nicely proportioned rectangular block of land and that can bring specific challenges for when you're trying to find house designs to inspire you or you're briefing your designer or your builder about what you want. You know, specific types of uh, and shapes of blocks of land, they require a specific strategy. And so whether you're building or you're renovating, this upcoming season is really going to help you think about the key challenges that you need to create solutions for so that you can design an outcome that works for your specific situation and isn't just a cookie cutter approach and doesn't take into account the nuances of your site. So we're going to be kicking that off next week all right so make sure that you tune in and you join me then now thanks so much for joining me here on how to get it right with undercover architect now as i said the doors to my six-week program how to get it right in your reno or new home they're open now all right now this online program is a supercharged way to get the education and information that you need to understand the process of renovating or building your home plus get my personal help and advice on your project and your journey. So from the very start of finding out what's actually allowed for your home and site, through the design process, uh, to find the right team for you and check their credentials, right through to getting your approvals, navigating your budget and getting your project built. This program outlines the steps that you need to take from start to finish so that your project is a success and your home feels great. And these are steps that I have implemented in my own and my clients' projects in over 250 projects that I've done in the last 20 plus years I've been doing this. And you also get the opportunity to to access a floor plan review as well. Now, I share key lessons that I've learned from over 250 of my projects, many more that I've studied and analysed and, as I said, more than two decades of industry experience. So you can understand the pitfalls and the mistakes to avoid, you can skip the heartache and the drama, and you can know that your effort, your investment, and your planning will all be worth it in your beautiful finished home. And I'm there, I'm alongside you for your six weeks of membership to answer your questions and really rocket launch you further along in your project. So to join How to Get It Right, um, right now, all right, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash how to get it right or one word and you can find out lots of information about the program what other members thought of it who it suits in terms of where you are at in your journey uh, and how you can join as well all right so that web address again is www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash how to get it right this has been amelia lee from undercover architect thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally until next time bye